Alright, we'll go ahead and go to Daniel chapter 4 tonight. We're going to break tradition. We're not going to do the scripture reading uh, before because we are going to do a lot of scripture reading tonight. We're going to be uh, going through several uh, verses, several chapters, so this little message will be a little different than a normal one just because it's, requ- it's going to be required. We're going to have to read a lot of scriptures to get this message across, but it's a very important lesson I want to learn tonight. So I want to start off, though, by reading Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. Most of our reading though, is going to be in the book of Ezra, so after we read this, maybe find your place in Ezra. We're going to look at a lot of scripture there. But in Daniel 4.17, says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basis of men. Now, this is, you know this story. This is after Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he got lifted up with pride. He was impressed with the Babylon that he built. And God decided, you know what, I'm going to humble you, Nebuchadnezzar. And God turned him into a beast. And then, after seven years, God went and he restored Nebuchadnezzar to his kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar now realized, you know what, I'm not that great. God is great. And I love this that statement he makes there because it's true where he says, The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And folks, it's very important that we remember the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Uh, yesterday, when, or uh, Friday when I was at that event in Chicago, I was talking to the one, one of the fellows I interviewed. Uh, he was a Catholic fellow, and he was telling me how he believes that God has a plan, but what's going on right now that these politicians are doing is not God's plan, is what he kept telling me. He's like, you know, I believe God has a plan, but I don't believe this is God's plan. I believe what the, uh, you know, these leaders are doing is against God's plan. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know how God is doing every little thing. But I will say this. God has a plan, and we're not going to mess up God's main plan that he has. But I don't know every little detail of that plan. But I will say this, too, that just because God has a plan and God is in control, it doesn't mean men and leaders can do things that are against the will of God. They definitely can do that or against the law of God. And, you know, and I told him, I said, you know, all this is it's complicated stuff. It's deep stuff. But at the end of the day, I told him, I said, what I believe we ought to be doing right now is crying out to God. I said, we need to be crying out to God when it comes to fixing these problems. Because I said, God can change the hearts of these politicians. If God could do it with Nebuchadnezzar, he can do it with the ones today. And I believe that God still, the Most High still, still rules in the kingdom of men. I believe that with all my heart. And I love how it says, he setteth up over it the basest of men. Okay? What does base mean? It means low. So we have Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he was really great. Are you, are you sure? Because we see, even if he was great before, he turned into an animal. And God went and still raised him back up to be over that kingdom. Why? Because God did that. And, you know, a lot of times we get enamored by politicians, you know, because, you know, they're famous because they're well-spoken, they're articulate, and people just go nuts over these people. But at the end of the day, they're base too. Yeah, but then how did they get to that high position? God put them there. God sets the basest of men over these things. He's done it before, and I believe he's still doing it today. In fact, all right, and I hate to just reveal this little secret too, but even when it comes to who God raises up to be leaders in churches and to do things 
for the cause of Christ. God doesn't raise up the great minds and the brilliant scholars. You know who he sets over it? The base. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things which are despised, had God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God uses the lowly. God uses the base. Anybody that you see that does some great work for God, it's not because of their IQ and their brilliance and all that. It's because God chose to use them. God gets the glory for anything that we get done, That's especially that's good. And you know what? In the political world, anything good that our politicians do, you know who should get the glory for that? God should get the glory for that. And you know who should get the blame when they do bad stuff? They should. <laughs> because what God does is always good. And you know, thankfully and historically, we've had many leaders who have done some great things. But you know what? God gets the glory for it. All right? God gets the glory for it. I believe that with all my heart. And, you know, and often whenever we bring up, like right now, a lot of people are bringing up the Constitution because we feel like the Constitution is being shredded right now and it's being trampled on. And so people bring up, well, look at these people who wrote the Constitution. You know, what, what kind of men they were. You know what kind of men they were? Like Nebuchadnezzar. Base men. History proves that. Reading their writings proves that. And, and often you've got the Fox News Baptists that they'll look at that Constitution. These must have been great men of God. I mean, boy, you know, these were just, these must have been great, wonderful Christian men. And they'll twist history and just do all kinds of weird stuff to make them all out to be Christians. Like, no, they weren't Christian. All right. Thomas Jefferson, I'm sorry. The guy was not a Christian. I mean, the guy wrote his own Bible. And, and you're going to try to tell me he was a Christian? Sorry. But am I going to throw out the Constitution that he wrote? You know, and all those wonderful things he did write because he was a bad guy? No. Because he, God used him to do some great things. And I'm going to show you God using great, terrible people in the Bible to do wonderful things and make great laws. And you know who they praise in the Bible? Spoiler alert, God. They praise God for it. So, you know, the Fox News Baptists are wrong when they want to worship the founding fathers and go to the, you know, pray to the Lincoln Memorial. They don't do that. But, you know, close. All right, close. You know, you know they're wrong when they do that. Okay, they're wrong. I've seen some of the documentaries they put out just showing you know, what great men of God they were, and, and I don't buy it. I don't believe it. They're wrong. But at the same time, we've got people, too, who have no problem with constitutional rights being violated, taken away, and then trying to condemn Christians who are standing up for those things. And, like, you know, you should just stand up for the Bible. You know, that's the only thing we're allowed to stand up for. Yeah, but what if a law is actually backing up what the Bible teaches? What if it's in agreement with what the Bible teaches? Shouldn't we then support that? I mean, if we're loyal to the Word of God, is it is it unprecedented, which is a word we hear a lot, for us to do that? And let me tell you, it is not unprecedented at all, biblically, and we're going to see that. It, because So, you know, many who God has used for... Political reasons, they've been basemen, and many who God has used for the work of the Lord have been base men. Here's the difference, though, with the ones he uses to do the work of the Lord. He saves them first. Okay? He saves them first. The Apostle Paul 
did great things for God, but it was after God saved him. But did you know God has often used political leaders in a great way without saving them? In fact, we see, and we don't have time to even go to all these examples, God raised up wicked kings to bring judgment on other wicked nations. And let me just say this too, this is another side note, but you know who God always raises up to take care of wicked nations and wicked people? Other wicked people. I don't, I don't see in the Bible where God ever uses Christians to execute judgment and to shed blood. Okay, now in the Old Testament they did. When they had a theocracy, when God gave them a physical land, when God gave them a country, they were commissioned and allowed to fight and kill and do all the things they did. As Christians, you know, we don't have a continuing city. We seek one that's to come. You know, but so, but in the New Testament, I don't see where God ever used Christians to kill people to bring judgment. And God uses other wicked people. But when God uses these other wicked people to bring judgment on other wicked people, you realize they are doing the work of the Lord. They're doing a good work. And thank God for it. And I'm thankful for some of the people that have been over. I'm thankful Adolf Hitler got overthrown. I'm very, I'm thankful King George got overthrown. I'm thankful for that. I'm not going to lie. And there's some other leaders out there today. I wish we get overthrown. Now I'm not going to kill anybody to do it. But if some people rise up and take care of business, I'll be supporting them all along the way. You know, that, that's, just, that's just the way I feel about it. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to get sidetracked in too many things here. But I do find it disturbing that those who would, you know, yell about constitutional rights when it comes to laws that are written that they disagree with, you know, they're, they're going to, the, you know, they, they'll, they'll claim, everybody claims the Constitution when it comes to something they agree with. But when it comes to something they disagree with, they just want to, shred the whole thing, disregard all of it, and then act like there's something spiritually wrong with you if you support it. And, and I do. I think when it comes to, you know, shutdown, it's, you know, it's something we got to talk about. It's something that has affected everybody. You know, we can't just ignore it and act like nothing's happening right now. You know, we're not, we're not going to do that. Well, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. Well, you know, sometimes God wants us to raise our voice, and God wants us to speak out, and God wants us to be a voice of reason during a time like this and not just have a fatalist attitude and just, you know, whatever, act like a Calvinist. God is sovereign. You know, we're not going to do anything. We're going to let our neighbors go to hell and we're not going to witness to them because God is sovereign. And you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go witness to my neighbors. I'm going to go witness to the people in this community. When it comes to our nation destroying itself, I'm not just going to say God is sovereign. Just, you know, let it all go to hell. I'm going to do something. I'm going to try to stop it. I'm going to try to be a voice of good and righteousness during that. And so I think, you know, when it comes to the shutdown, and this is something I think we, we can all agree with, you can make a great philosophical case about what should be done during a pandemic. Okay? And we could all talk about whether or not schools, businesses, and even churches should close and whether or not it's the right thing to do. Okay? But, you know, it's also okay to talk about whether or not it is legal for the government to do all these things. You know, is it, is it, it's okay for us to ask, hey, is it legal that the government can shut down all the businesses? I, I honestly don't know for sure how that all works. It doesn't seem right to me. Something seems wrong. I'm not a constitutional lawyer or anything like that. But, you know, I'm concerned. And if I have a question about the legality of something, 
it's not because I just want other people to die of sicknesses. Y'all understand that? I know that's what everybody wants to say, but it's okay to talk about whether or not it's legal. For example, you could say there's many good things that could come with them microchipping everybody. I mean, wouldn't it be beneficial if we could just get rid of cash and all have a microchip? Nobody can steal our wallet. Nobody can steal our cash or our credit card. It's going to get rid of fraud. We can identify everybody. Wouldn't it keep us safer? You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to, too, if they could track us with it? And if somebody kidnapped your child, they would know where it was? Hey, if it'll just save one life, shouldn't we all get microchipped? Now, how many in here want to get microchipped? How selfish. You just want kids to get kidnapped. You know, you want, you want to die. You just, you just want everybody to die. I mean, what if? You know, why couldn't they do that? And then they can keep track of all of our medical records. Hey, what if you get in a car wreck and you don't have any identification and they don't know who you are and they need to know about your allergies? They could kill you in the hospital if they go and give you some kind of thing you're allergic to. You don't, you, why don't we just get a microchip? That'll take care of that. They scan your hand right away. You realize all the wonderful things they could do for humanity if they microchipped us all? You all don't seem like you're sold. Hey, you all just want people to die. Folks, would it not save lives? Would it not save a life? You know, there's people that have. They didn't know. They give them something. They had an allergic reaction. It killed them. If they'd had a microchip and they had their medical records on it, would it not have saved their life? Just admit it. Would it not have saved their life? Yes, it would have. But is it right? Is it right to do something like that? Is it right to track everybody? Is it right to you know violate people's privacy and to take away freedom? You know, it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay. Obviously, we don't want people getting sick. We don't want things spreading. But is it not okay for us to say, hey, is it legal that our governor, who, I mean, has passed one of the most loose liberal abortion bills that there is, who's now telling us that he cares about our health, is it not okay for us to say, I don't know if I trust him. I don't know if he is looking out for my health. I, I don't know if it's legal. I'm pretty sure, based on the First Amendment, that it's not legal for him to tell us that we can't have church. I, is it not okay to ask these questions? You better believe it's okay to ask. Yes, obviously, was it, would it not save lives if we all lowered the speed limit to 15 miles an hour? Yeah, it would save lives. But, you know, don't we have the right as a people to say, you know what, I'd rather, I'd rather take the chance and get places quicker. It's okay if we as a society come together and say, we accept the risk. We will do that. It's okay for us to talk about these things. And so, you know, when, it, when this whole pandemic thing happened, you know, I was greatly torn when it came to whether or not we should shut down or whether or not we should stay open. It was a very difficult decision. It really was. And, um, you know, and that's why to this day, you know, I will not criticize anyone who made a different decision on that thing or anyone who decides to stay home. And really about half the church you know, has decided to stay home. And I've actually encouraged many of them to stay home. I talked to some people again today, went and visited, and I'm telling them, you know, I don't want them taking chances. I don't, you know, if they're high risk and older, I don't want them doing that kind of thing because I, I don't want people getting sick. I don't want to endanger people. And so while... I, I was torn about whether or not we should do that. You know what I've never been torn about is whether or not our government had any right to tell us whether or not we should be open or closed. Okay? Now, where did I get that crazy idea? 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably, peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Amen. That, that's what gave me that idea. I don't know. And I haven't seen where we've shredded that and done away with that. Okay? And there are some amendments I'd like to get rid of. You know, they're not all perfect. Okay, which amendment wasn't allowed abortion? You know, I, I, was it an amendment that did that? I can't remember how that worked exactly. I don't know my history well enough. That's probably all I don't know history well enough. But listen, is it appropriate for me to invoke the Constitution instead of the Bible when it comes to that? You know, a lot of people go to, you know, Hebrews 10, but I'm fine with going to the Constitution to tell them they have no right to tell us whether or not we can have services. And, you know, Baptists, when they uh, disagree with laws, you know, Acts 5.29, the Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. You know, but then when it comes to the law they want you to obey, or they agree with, Romans 13, well, every soul be subject to the higher powers. <laughs> Isn't it funny how just convenient? You know, right. Listen, you can always pull out a magic verse to do whatever you want, okay? Just like, you know, a lot of people, they want, they have just, they have declared this situation is the exact same situation as Jeremiah when God, by very clear revelation to one of his prophets, told them, you're going into captivity, you're going to be there for 70 years, no getting out of it, this is, this is happening. This is our situation now. Really. When did you get your direct revelation from God on that thing? I can show you other places where prophets came along, and there was ways they could get out of it. There, they did have an opportunity to repent, but no, you have decided that this is a Jeremiah situation. I, I you know, you, you don't get to do that. All right, congratulations. You yell loud and you use the scripture verse, but you failed miserably to rightly divide the scripture. You did nothing to prove that you're right in this situation. So you know what? Just chill out. All right, just chill out and say, I don't really know. It's, it's amazing how people do that. And get away with it. Right. Hey, but I, I don't understand. You know, I guess the people are just blind, loyal followers that don't know how to read the Bible for themselves. Right. They might do that. But it doesn't work if you actually study the Bible and you know, look at things as a whole. So uh, you know, a word we've been hearing a lot, as I mentioned before, is that word unprecedented. Okay, I keep hearing you. Know, these are unprecedented times. It's an unprecedented situation. I'm getting sick of hearing that word. It's one of my new trigger words. I'm getting tired of hearing it. But let me ask, is it biblically unprecedented for me today to bring up the Constitution when unjust laws are being implemented or that could hinder the work of the Lord? All right? Now, I'm going to show you a great example of this in the book of Ezra where this is exactly what happened. I'm going to show you it is not inappropriate to do that. It's okay for you to do that. If you quote the Constitution to somebody... When you're against what our leaders are doing, that's wicked. All right? And then some overly spiritual clown wants to come along and tell you, you know, I just believe the Bible. Hey, I'm just going to show you they're ignorant. You are allowed to do that. It's okay for you to do that. So go to Ezra. Before we start reading, something just kind of a little background. So remember, after Israel's 70 years in Babylonian captivity, God put it into the heart of Cyrus to have the Jews go back and to rebuild their city walls and the temple. And if you study the minor prophets, you're going to see it didn't take long you know, for 
them just kind of, they kind of slacked off. They didn't take advantage of the opportunity when they had it. And so God ended up sending guys like Haggai and Zechariah, Zechariah to um, stir the people up to get them to rebuild the house of God. Remember when we were going through the book of Zechariah? That's what that was all about. They were getting ready to build the house of God. They'd been sitting around too long. It was time to get to work. Okay? But when, uh, so let's go ahead and start reading some passages in Ezra chapter 4 so we can see what all is going on. There's so many scriptures we can go to to kind of show all the history. But we're going to start reading Ezra chapter 4. So let's see what it says. It says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God, as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Ezarhaddon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel, said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. And you can go back to Second Chronicles, the last chapter there, and you can see where he did that. We're not going to take time to go look at that. So they said, we've got a work to do. And you know what? You stay out of it. You leave us alone. We have a command. Okay, now, let me ask you, did God want them doing this too? Did, did God want them rebuilding the temple? Yes, Zechariah and Haggai proves that. But who did they say gave them a work to do? They didn't say God. Those people didn't care about that. You know who they did? They brought up Cyrus. They brought up Cyrus. He was the one that did that. It was okay for them to do that. It says, then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Okay, This is kind of like the lower governments passing ordinances telling you you can't go soul winning. Now, haven't they done that in many places? And what do we do? We protest that. Why? Because the higher powers have already ruled that we are protected, that we can do that very thing. But often, lower people come along and they try to pass things to stop us. And then you got the clowns, they're like, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. It's like, I'm sorry, there's a higher ordinance of man that says they can't make a law like that. They don't have a right. If we're going to have that kind of thinking, then you know what I can do? If I don't like something you all are doing, I will create a law. You know what? I don't like how fast you all drive. I'm lowering the speed limit to 45 miles an hour. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man. But wait a minute. I don't have the authority to do that. Do it. Who gave me that authority to change the speed limit? Nobody gave me that authority, but I just bestowed it upon myself. And so we have these lower governments that pass laws saying you can't go soul winning. They've not been given that authority by anyone. That violates the laws of our land. So you know what we do? We don't invoke the Bible during that. We invoke our own laws in our country that they supposedly follow. And you know what? It's appropriate to do that. And it's not us violating the verse of the Bible that says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. If they pass an ordinance here in Rock Falls that says we can't knock doors, we're not going to submit. And we will not be violating the submit yourself to every ordinance of man passage. Okay, so uh, understand that. So where were we in verse 5? And hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. What did they do? They got people trying to frustrate him, trying to discourage him. Social shaming. Okay? I already preached the message on that. That's what they're using now. Trying to social shame us. That's what they want to happen too. 
when we refuse to go into these stores and things and not wear our masks, you know what they're hoping? They're hoping the customers will start giving us an earful. That's what they're hoping, using social shaming because they passed an illegal executive order trying to tell people that they all have to wear masks. Folks, that would never hold up in any court. If that ever went to the Supreme Court, that would never hold up. But they'll get away with it. And Christians are just going to comply, another trigger word, because, and then they're going to submit yourself to everywhere it's a man. I'm sorry. They have no authority. Nobody has given them the authority to tell us to do something like that. Okay? And, and, and if you want to, folks, the mass thing, it's not a super important fight for everybody. I'm thankful for everyone who fights for a right to not wear a mask. Okay? But if you don't want to fight that, if you don't want to get beat up and thrown in jail or thrown out of a store, you're not a terrible person because of that. Okay, you understand that? If I see you in Walmart this week and you're wearing a mask, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to give you a hard time. I promise. You can do that. Okay? And I might. I've got, I've got a mask ready to go in my car in case I like have to get in somewhere and they make me. But I'm going to make it difficult. All right? I'm going to make it difficult. They're going to, I don't know. I still might not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to get up and just declare anything because you might see me walking through the store in a mask. And then I'm like, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaving myself an opening there. So anyway, verse 6. In the reign of Hasserus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So now we're going to read a letter written to a new king that's come along, accusing them of violating the law. It says, this is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him, even unto Artaxerxes, the king. Uh, Thy servants, the men of the, on this side of the river in such a time, be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundations. Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom, and so thou shalt endamage the revenue of the kings. Now, because we have maintenance from the king's palace, and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore have we sent and certified the king. So this is just a total lie that they're telling you. They're saying, if they do this, they're not going to follow you. They're just making this up. And so it says in verse 15, The search may be made in the book of the records of thy fathers. So shalt thou find in the book of the records... And know that this city is a rebellious city and hurtful unto kings and provinces, and that they have moved sedition within the same of old time, for which cause was this city destroyed. So he's saying, check the books, check the records. This is a terrible city that's caused a lot of trouble. You know, because they kept records back then. They kept track of laws. They kept track of these things. So it says, now it's interesting, they told him not to check to see if a law was made. You know, did, like they're saying, did Cyrus really make a law? No, just check the records to show these people have been problems. So that backs up the fact that we think they're going to cause you more trouble. So it says, we certify the king that if the city be built again and the walls thereof set up, by this means thou shalt have no portion on this side of the river. So even back then, earlier laws that had been passed, it meant something to them. Even back then. And Archaxerxes... We're going to see here, he ends up reacting quickly, and he, as the leader, makes the wrong choice. He makes a bad decision that was against God, okay? But it was also against his own laws, we're going to see. And it says in verse 17, 
Then sent the king an answer unto Rehum, the chancellor, and to Shimshai, the scribe, and to the rest of their companions that dwell in Samaria, and unto the rest beyond the river. Peace in at such a time. The letter which he sent unto us hath been plainly read before me. And I commanded, and search hath been made, and it is found that this city of old time hath made insurrection against kings, and that rebellion and sedition have been made therein. There have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem, which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and toll, tribute, and custom was paid unto them. Give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease, that this city be not builded until another commandment shall be given from me. Take heed now that ye fail not to do this. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the kings? Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehem and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of the Lord, or work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So you all see now, the ultimate authority in that land during that time made another law stopping them from doing the work of the Lord. That was a bad law. This was a bad choice. This went against God, what he did, but it also went against their own laws. Okay, Now, what was Israel supposed to do at this point? Are they just supposed to wait until the king makes a good law again? Or were they supposed to obey God rather than men? And so... We don't we obviously don't have time to go through it, but it was during this period of time here when the books of Haggai and Zechariah were written. And if you go read those books, it's telling them, hey, it's time. It is time to go and build the temple. The work had ceased, but God had already told them they needed to go do this work, and they weren't doing it, and they're like, it's time to get to work. It's time to get busy. And Haggai, you don't have to turn them at Haggai 1.1. It says, in the second year of Darius the king, we just read about the second year, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, and to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is no none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now what's God saying here? It's time for you to get to work. Oh, but wait a minute. We ought to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. Arctic he said we can't do the work of the Lord anymore. And you know what? He did. Our desserts, he said, you can't do it. Stop it. Don't let him do the work. God comes along, sends his prophets and say, you know what? Some of you are saying it isn't time, but I'm saying it's time. Get to work. It's time for you to get busy. And you know what? They didn't go get permission from the new administration. You know what? They did the work. It says in Ezra 5, verse 1, then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedek, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. Where did they go get permission from Artaxerxes? They didn't. God said, time to get back to work. God said it was time. Now, I don't remember when God 
told us to stop doing what we've always been doing. I don't remember when God told us to do that. I don't remember when God said to forsake the assembling as you see the day approaching. You know, he said not to, especially as you see the day approaching. I don't see where we, we're supposed to be taking a break on these things. I thought we're supposed to occupy till he comes. That's what I see in the scriptures. And I understand that the powers out there have said no. But you know what? Even if they do shred the Constitution, God still says yes. God still says do it. But you know what? They haven't shredded the Constitution yet. And you know what? They haven't shredded Cyrus's letter yet in this story. And it says, and at the same time, verse 3, came to them, Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shethar Bosnai, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Hey, who, who told you guys you're going to have church today? I thought the governor said, you know, ten. Said, we only have ten. <laughs> says, then said we unto him after this manner, What are the names of the men that make this building. You know, they've been trying to get uh, churches to give the names of all their members. That's one of the things they're doing in places. Hey, we want the names of everybody participating in this. Well, isn't it amazing how the Bible just, you know, has stuff that's just timeless that helps us through every situation? But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius and then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. So now they're writing another letter. All right, we got to get a letter to Darius now. He's got to stop these guys. We don't like what they're doing. The local officials didn't like what was going on, but they didn't care. They're doing the work anyway. So it says the copy of the letter that Tatnai, governor of this side of the river, and Shethar Bosnai and his companions, I can't say all these words, the Archethites, which were on this side of the river, sent to Darius the king. They sent a letter unto him, wherein was written thus, unto Darius the king, all peace. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea, into the house of the great God, which is built with great stones, and timber is laid in the walls, and this work goeth fast on, and prospereth in their hands. Then asked we those elders, and said unto them thus, Who commanded you to build this house and to make up these walls? We asked their names also to certify thee, that we might write the names of the men that were chief of them. And thus they returned us answer, saying, We are the servants of God of heaven and earth, and build the house that was built of these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made a decree to build the house of God. What are they doing bringing up Cyrus? Why didn't they just bring up the word of God? You know why? It's okay if we got some extra ammo we can use that they might pay attention to so they will leave us alone. Because right. yeah, think about it. All right? You think about... Now, I don't want to trash our local leaders because they've been a blessing. Okay, But what do you think would happen if Pritzker shows up? And I say, you know what? Our God is more powerful than you. He's going to take care of you. You think he's even going to flinch? He doesn't fear God. He doesn't care about that at all. But you know what? He might get scared with the president. You know, he might get scared with the Constitution. Now, folks, either way, I don't care if he doesn't flinch, God's going to take care of him one of these days. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, at the same time, right now, I'm not interested in Pritzker getting what he's got coming to him. I'm interested in doing the work of the Lord. All right? We just want to get to work. We're not out trying to kill Pritzker and just see him destroyed. All right? I hope he gets impeached. I hope he goes to prison. 
But I'm not going to do anything about that. I just want to do the work of the Lord. Now, if I need to do something to help him get impeached, if that's the best method to get work going here again, I don't think it will be, but I would do that because we want to do the work of the Lord. But I'm not really interested in in, getting judgment on people. So anyway, it says in the vessels also, verse 14, of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them into the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus, the king, take out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered unto one whose name was Shishbazar, whom he had made governor. And said unto him, take these vessels, go carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be built in his place. They're, they're quoting Cyrus. Then came the same Shishbazar and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even until now, hath it been in building, and yet it is not finished. Now, therefore, if it seem good to the king, let there be search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so, that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. You know what they said? They didn't say, hey, let us show you the book of Haggai and Zechariah that was just written. It's some good stuff. And it's some good stuff, right? We had fun going through the book of Zechariah. Hey, let me see what's going to happen one of these days when Jesus puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. You know, he, he didn't bring that up. He told him, go search your records. Go look in your treasure house in Babylon and you're going to find, you'll find the decree that Cyrus made. Now, is it okay if us, if, if a police comes along and says, hey, y'all aren't allowed to have church. Um, hey, can you go look at the First Amendment of the Constitution? Hey, we don't, we don't want you having your guns. You're, you don't legally have the right to have a gun. Hey, can you go look at the Second Amendment of our Constitution that you've swore to uphold and see if it agrees with you? You know, it's okay for us to do that. That's what they did in the Bible. It's okay. I think it's fine. So it says, so it said, even back then, previous laws meant something. They had a procedure when it came to changing laws. And even with kings, they were not allowed to just act on a whim. Like our president does with his executive orders and with what all the governors are doing now with their executive orders. They are just taking a pen and just signing these executive orders that somebody typed up on a whim, not even checking the legality of these things. And often these executive orders, thankfully, by some decent people that are in the legislature, they go and they challenge these things and they go to the courts and they find out they are unconstitutional. They are illegal and they get thrown out. Thank God when that happens. Thank God when bad laws get overturned. We should be thankful for that. And be thankful that we have a system where that can happen, where a king or a president or a governor can't just stand up and say, so let it be written, so let it be done. They can't do that in this country, and that's a good thing. Aren't you glad Obama wasn't able to do that kind of thing? I sure am. You know, And I wish Trump wasn't doing as much as he's doing to do, do a lot of the damage that he deserves some blame for. Sorry about that, but it's just true. So this law of you know that, uh, that we're going to see read here, it wasn't the law of God that they were referring to, or was it the law of Cyrus? Okay, now let me ask you this. While this law was not the law of God, it was the law of the kings, was it the will of God? Yes, the kings declared that they were supposed to go back and build the temple. That was exactly what God declared too. 
So folks, that was a good law. It was okay for them to bring it up and to stand up for that. It wasn't the Word of God. Okay, Some of these passages that we're going to read, these are not the words of God. They are the words of Artaxerxes. But they're good words because they line up with the will of God. And Israel was thankful for them. So in verse 4 it says, With three rows of great stones and with a row of new timber, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house, and also let the gold and the silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought into Babylon, be restored, and brought again into the temple, which is at Jerusalem, every one to his place, and them in the house of God. Now, uh, you know, I skipped verses 1 through 3, didn't I? I skipped, right, let's go back to verse 1. I'm sorry about that. Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in the house of the rolls where the treasures were laid up in Babylon, which is what the Jews told him to do. And there was found at Akmetha in the palace, which is in the province of Medes, a roll, and therein was a record thus written. In the first year of Cyrus, the king the same, Cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem, let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits, and the breadth threescore cubits. Folks, was that a good law? That was a good law. That law lined up with the law of God. And this is what the Jews have been going off of. This is what they've been telling them. Hey, we are legal. We were told we could do this. They messed up. They were out of line. They were wrong. Artaxerxes was out of line. He was wrong, even though he was the king. According to Artaxerxes' own rules that he had put himself under, he was wrong, and it was okay for them to stand up for themselves, and they weren't supposed to just roll over like a bunch of lame Baptists to just let the government walk all over them and do everything they say. We don't just have to stand there and just you know be, let people beat on us and just trample all over us. We don't have to do that. We're allowed to fight back. It's okay. And that's exactly what they did here. So jump down to verse 7. So um, it goes on just naming, uh, you know, giving a little more of the law. So in verse 7, it says, Let the work of this house of God alone, let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in his place. Moreover, I make a decree that ye shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God, that the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river forthwith, expenses be given unto these men, that they be not hindered. He even said, we're going to pay for this. Now, I question whether or not that's what, you know, if our government said, hey, you know what, we're going to give your church money to, to build a new building. I don't know if I trust it. I'm pretty sure some strings are going to come attached with that. I'm, I'm going to refuse. Now, they, they didn't do that here, but King's trying to help. And I guess it was okay. They had all, you know, Babylon had stolen everything from them. And then they took over Babylon, so they're just pretty much giving back, but I don't know. It says, they which have not, which have, they have need of, both young bullocks and rams and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil according to the appointment of the priests, which are at Jerusalem, let them be given them by day without fail. And that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and of his sons. Also, I have made a decree that whosoever shall alter this word, let timber be pulled down from his house and being set up, let him be hanged thereon and let his house be made a dunghill for this. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Hey, now, this is actually getting pretty good here, folks. Should Israel not have been thankful for a law like that? I mean, isn't this, isn't this good stuff? 
that's happening. And this is all happening, uh, you know, during Darius' time because they went and they, they found, you know, they found this role. They found this wall. So it says in verse 12, and the Lord and the God and the God that caused his name to dwell there, destroy all kings and people that shall put to their hand to alter and to destroy this house of God, which is at Jerusalem. I, Darius, have made a decree. Let it be done with speed. And then Tatnai, the governor on this side of the river, uh, Sheth Barzani and their company, according to that which Darius the king has sent, so they did speedily, and the elders of the Jews built it, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, and they built it and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Notice how the kings all ended up getting on board with God's law. Now, what made them get on board with God's law is because they found out they were wrong and went against their own law that Cyrus had made. And so remember, the Bible here is just recording what happened. Okay, The laws and the letters that we're reading in here, these are not the laws of God. They were the laws of the kings, but they were good laws, and they accomplished great things, and God used heathen men to get a great work done. Okay? Now, let's look at another. Now, turn over to chapter 7. We're not going to read this whole chapter. Let's look at another letter that was given to Ezra. Because remember, it was Artaxerxes that originally told them to stop the work. Remember? When, that, when they got it, when, uh, you know, the local police, when Lori Lightfoot wrote a letter to them saying, you know, hey, they're not supposed to be doing this stuff. You know, they're, they're going against your, you know, he went and stopped them. You know, he, like a big pansy, he just went and, oh, yeah, they're not supposed to be able to stop this work. They're going to do damage. They're going to spread diseases or whatever. That's, that's what he did. That was wrong. He now knows this. They've now made new laws. And so right here in verse 11, it says, Now, this is the copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, unto Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, perfect peace, and at such a time. Okay, now, notice it's pretty arrogant for Artaxerxes to give himself the title king of kings. All right. Do we think this is probably a great, wonderful, godly man? Or do we think that he was probably a bad guy? Maybe even a reprobate. I mean, he might have been. He might have been. I don't really know. I know he's arrogant. But listen to what it says. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. For as much as thou art sent of the king and of his seven counselors, to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of thy God, which is in thine hand, and to carry the silver and gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered unto the God of Israel, whose habitation is in Jerusalem, and all the silver and gold that thou canst find in all the provinces of Babylon, with the free will offering of the people and of the priests, according offering willingly for the house of their God, which is in Jerusalem, that thou mayest buy speedily with his money, this money, bullocks, rams, lambs with their meat offerings and their drink offerings, and offer them upon the altar of the house of your God, which is in Jerusalem. And whatsoever shall seem good to thee and to thy brethren to do with the rest of the silver and gold that do after the will of your God, the vessels also that are given for the service of the house of thy God, those deliver thou before the God of Jerusalem. And whatsoever more shall be needful for the house of thy God, which thou shalt have occasion to bestow, bestow it out of the king's treasure house. Okay? Darius and Artaxerxes, they're getting on board. They're helping. Hey, whatever you need, you've got it. And I, even I, Artaxerxes, the king, do make a decree to all the treasurers which are beyond the river that whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven shall require of you, it be done speedily. He just gave Ezra a bunch of authority. 
unto an hundred talents of silver, and to a hundred measures of wheat, and to a hundred baths of wine, and to a hundred baths of oil, and salt without prescribing how much, whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the kings and his son. That kind of reminds me of the Ninth Amendment a little bit. Hey, whatever the Bible says, whatever God says is the rights of the people, that's it. Because we don't even know. The founding fathers, they didn't know what all God wanted for us. So let's just put an amendment in there to make sure they just get anything God wants. And that's what Artaxerxes is doing here. Hey, I don't know what all God's going to require of them, but you know what? Whatever God requires, they get it. Boy, isn't it, isn't it interesting how God has used some wicked men to make some really good laws? For us. And isn't it, I mean, the similarities between what we have back then and what we had, you know, in the founding of our country, it's pretty similar. Sounds like the same guy's in control. Sounds like the same one person is ruling in the kingdom of men that was ruling back then. That's what it seems like to me. So it says, what verse did I leave off on? All right, verse 24. And also we certify you that touching any of the priests and Levites, singers, porters, nethanims, or ministers of the house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. They didn't have to pay taxes. Man, that was even better than our Constitution. Actually, they do say income tax is unconstitutional. I'm not studying that out either. That's what I've heard, and I like how it sounds. <laughs> so... And now, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thy hand, set magistrates and judges, which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, and such as know the laws of thy God, and teach them that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be unto death, or to banishment, or to confiscation of goods, or to imprisonment. Folks, this is great. Okay, now I think you can make an argument that Artaxerxes went a little overboard. Okay, now if I may speculate a little bit, how does a king, because remember, people don't change, okay? We have Artaxerxes back then getting pressured to put a law on them that was a bad law and an illegal law. Sure enough, he does it, finds out it was an illegal law. So what does he do? He's got to cover himself. He doesn't want the Jews coming after him, getting him in trouble for violating their own laws. So, hey, I'm going to change the whole law. In fact, I'm going to give you everything you want. I think he went overboard. You know why? Because he knew he was wrong. He knew he had messed up. Think about that. Even as a king, he understood there's still laws that he's got to follow. It's not a, you know, People have this new attitude that kings, you know, because the Bible says kings, and in some places, kings... Just literally, so let it be written, so let it be done. That's not even how it's always been in most places, especially places that have succeeded. They have real laws and they have methods to doing things. But, I don't know, people, they do. They just think it's whatever the king says goes. That's not the way it is any place civilized. That's not even, yeah. Uh, don't get me going. I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked. I've got a little more to cover. So you can make an argument here. He did it out of fear. Because he went against Cyrus's decree, and therefore he was still not a good man. I don't think he was. So we can all speculate. We can all about what made him change his mind. But in the at the end of the day, here's what changed his mind. Because you could say, well, it was fear. Okay, well, what put that fear there? Well, look what it says in the very next verse, verse 27, after this law is done being mentioned. 
Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Who did they praise? Did they praise Artaxerxes? Did they praise the kings? Or did they praise God for putting it into his heart? They praised God for putting it in his heart because they knew that the Most High rules among men and that he rules in the kingdom of men. They knew that. And you know what? If we want to thank God for putting it in the heart of a bunch of wicked men a couple hundred years ago to make some really good laws and some really good amendments, you know what? We can do that. I'm not going to praise the founding fathers. I'm going to praise God for it. I know better than to think that those men were capable of coming up with something as great as our Constitution, just like I know our desserts. He clearly wasn't smart enough to come up with a law as good as he did right here because we saw in the chapter 4 he messed it up big time, told them they couldn't do it. He went against his own will. You know why? Because God changed his heart. God changed his heart and had him do a great law, the great benefit to Israel. And I believe that is what happened in our country over 200 years ago. And so you know what? If I want to invoke the Constitution when it's being violated, I'm not worshiping the Founding Fathers. I'm not a Fox News Baptist. I'm not following the Constitution instead of the Bible. No, I'm thankful that the Constitution has helped Keep bad people from hindering the work of the Lord for over 200 years. Because there's a lot of bad people out there that would love to hinder the work of the Lord. And if I see something obstructing that, you know what? I'm thankful for it. I'm not going to shred it just because I'm ignorant and I'm stupid and I don't know what it says. And I have no idea how laws work. I have just no ability to think outside of a YouTube clip that somebody else puts out. I'm not going to do that. I, I actually understand how things are supposed to work. I can, I can see right and wrong, no matter who it comes from. Some people can only see the author of something. They can't see the actual thing itself. Why don't we just look at the actual law? Are you not capable of reading a law? Do you not know the Scriptures well enough to know whether or not that law is in favor of what the Scripture says or goes against what the Scripture says? Are you not capable of doing that? We ought to be capable of doing that. We ought to have the maturity to do that kind of thing. We ought to have the biblical understanding to do that kind of thing. But you know what? We've got we've got a bunch of people that are just ignorant to the Bible, to history, to everything, and, and pounding their chest and acting all spiritual and just tearing up everything. Hey, listen, if you don't know what to do during a time like this, why don't you shut up and sit down and let people who actually knows what's going on tell everybody what to do. Why don't you have enough wisdom to just shut your mouth when you're ignorant? And a lot of people just aren't capable of that. And you know, they're going to get themselves in trouble. They're going, to, they're going to reveal their foolishness. See, what we see there in verse 27, where he says, Who hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart? God put it in the king's heart. What made them think God did that? How did they know God did that? Did God tell them that? Well, maybe it's from Proverbs 21.1, where it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And folks, that's true today. God could change Pritzker's heart. But does that mean in the meantime that we are not allowed to speak against wickedness that he's doing? It's, it's appropriate for us to do that. It, that's exactly what we should do. We should put pressure. Do you realize the Jews had put pressure on the king? They were the ones that said Go look in the treasure house in Babylon. Go look for the roll. Go find that decree that Cyrus made. You are violating the law. They threw it right back at him. And then, sure enough, that was the truth. They were right, and he ended up changing the laws. And so I, I don't praise the founding fathers for the country. I praise God 
who once again used the basis of men to make laws that have helped preserve freedom for over 200 years. I'm thankful for that. And, you know, and, and let's just, let's again, let, let's read some of these laws that God used these base men to write. Like Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. You know, isn't that great when we have Hebrews 10.25 that we're supposed to follow to know that the highest law in our land in the First Amendment guaranteed that we wouldn't have to worry about that. We're not, we, we, we're not supposed to have to fight them on this thing. It's the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. It's still an awesome law. <laughs> it's, so, it's so wonderful. Are you not capable of seeing that? Are you not capable of seeing and understanding how wonderful of a law that is? That we have the right to keep and bear arms? That helps protect them from just completely taking us over? Folks, go ahead. If you can buy an AR-15. You know, it, it's, the more people that have these things the harder it's going to be for them to take us over. Or for a foreign enemy to take us over. You know, you don't think there's not some foreign enemies that think they would, they would love to come and take us over? They're like, man, we can't go in that country. Those people are crazy. They all got AR-15s. <laughs> Millions of people. All armed to the teeth. Folks, our laws give us, guarantee us that right. I'm just sorry. I know that's not in the Bible, but it's still cool. It's still awesome. Listen. We've got people today that have this attitude, submit yourself to everyone and say, man, meaning we've got to roll over and just let a wicked government trample on us, and they act like we're violating the word of God if we stand against that, because we're violating the laws of man. Actually, we're not. Actually, we're not. Because you know what else one of our founding fathers wrote in the Declaration of Independence? So that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in a form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. It is legal for us to overthrow a wicked government. You realize we're not, if our country is out of control right now, if a people were to rise up, and if they were to overthrow this government, they would not be violating the laws of the land, and they would not be violating God's laws. Hallelujah. Folks, how many other countries do you think have a law like that? Folks, God has blessed our nation. You know what? I've read enough about Thomas Jefferson. I know when I read that, I say, glory to God. Glory to God. Blessed be the Lord God that had put such a thing as this in the founding fathers' hearts to guarantee us the right to overthrow a wicked government. Folks, if you can't rejoice in that and celebrate in that, you don't know how to think for yourself. You can't think without the news media. You can't think without a YouTube video. You can't think for yourself. For you to not understand that that is awesome. Amendment 4, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, 
seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Aren't you glad they just can't come and just search your house? Hey, we're going to come and check y'all to see if you have COVID-19. You know, we're, we're going to check, we're, we're going to check and see where you guys have been. We're going to check and see where you've been going. Hey, do you have papers? Hey, what's in your car? You realize uh, that, that type of thing right there, this amendment is what gets police sued the most for unlawful search and seizure. That amendment right there is constantly getting the government sued. And I think that's great because we ought to respect people's privacy. We, we ought to do that. And our law guarantees that. So why, why would we not thank God for these laws? If Israel could rejoice in good laws made by wicked kings during their day, you better believe we can do today. And I thank God that to this date, listen to me, to this date, there is nothing that our church has done that has violated the laws of the land. I don't care what some mouthy feminist says out there. I don't care what some little vigilante old dude pervert that comes out here says. We have not violated any law. Any law that we have supposedly violated is an illegal law. And I, I prove that. I, I, think we, I, think, I think our Constitution makes that very simple. And it is okay for us to continue to support good laws. And I want to do my part to preserve those. You know, and I'm not doing it as an American. I'm doing it as a Christian. We've got work to do as Christians. We've got a world to win to Christ. And I don't, I don't want laws holding us up. I don't want us to have to meet. We need to be assembling. I don't want us to have to meet in secret. That's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult for us to do that right. Well, that's, if that's what we have to do, we're going to do it. But I don't want to do that. I want to be as open and public as possible. And so we should all, I believe we ought to support the Constitution as long as it's not an obstacle to the, as long as it's not an obstacle to us and as long as it is an obstacle to those who are trying to stop the work of the Lord. So it's not perfect. You can find flaws in it. They're constantly finding ways around it. And one of these days it will be completely shredded. And when it is, then we will follow the law of God. But until then, as long as it's, it's hurting these people and stopping them, I'm going to invoke it. I'm going to bring it up. And, you know, you can call me a Fox News Baptist. You can call me whatever you want. But I think I have biblical precedent for what we're doing here. And I think, I think common sense tells us support good laws that back up the Bible. It's not that complicated, but you know, often when people just have a wrong idea about something and don't, you know, they, it's amazing how bad people twist the scriptures to try to just prove they're right about something stupid. It's it's wrong. I don't like it, and I hope that uh, this was clear. A lot of scripture, but I think uh, it's important we understand what was going on. It's real easy to read all that legal stuff and just you know not pay attention, but folks, that's there for a reason. And it's, and it's a blessing. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Dear God, I pray that you will help us uh, to continue to stand up for that which is right. Lord, help us not to become uh, you know, these founding father worshipers and man worshipers and getting all enamored by politicians and people that are out there today. Lord, help us to remember that you're the one who's ruling in the kingdom of men. Help us to give you the glory for these things. But I do pray you'll help us all to be a voice for good and help us to uh, do what we can to just influence the masses towards that which is righteous and good and help us to be a force for good in this world. In your name we pray. Amen.